we reviewed it a little bit. And sometimes even Baptists go off on a false premise sometimes, don't they? Or do they? Yes, they do. Sometimes they, they in their interpretations of the end times especially, they have done some weird things in the past. We're going to get involved in this in the 1800s. Now, one thing that the Baptists wanted to do as a, as a group, some of them, remember we have different flavors of Baptists. We have the Southern Baptists. We have the Northern Baptists now, but that didn't happen for years. We have the uh, Free Will Baptists. We have the Primitive Baptists. We have the Particular Baptists. We have the General Baptists. And all of these. But, and, and we haven't got to the Southern Baptist Convention. This is going to be in the middle of the 1800s when that began. And what do you think it began? It became from the liberals to the, what we might con call conservatives. In America, we have uh, several parties or sub-parties as far as polit politics. We go, we've got the Democrats and we got the Republicans and we got independents and others. Mainly we have Democrats and Republics, Republicans, but if you go back in history, especially Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president, but he was not a Republican. Not like today. He would be called what he would be called an ultra progressive Democrat in all reality. Now, when they began to do the foreign missions, the American Baptist, and I'm not talking about the American Baptist Convention, but I'm talking about the American Baptist as a group, the Baptist in America, they had to go behind the Catholic Church and some of these different state church, church and state married, church and state groups that went into among the uh, Indian tribes and they basically enslaved the Indian tribes, they beat them, they put them in schools that were now was very much denounced, even the Carlisle School. My family was involved in this in Oklahoma and in different places in, back in the Midwest also. They had to go back and try to clean up the, the idea the Indians liked the message, but they didn't like the messengers. As simple as that. They liked the message, they didn't like the messengers. Now, they wanted to send their preachers to school. Every seminary, every college in America was started with a seminary originally. All of them were seminaries. And when they, after the American Revolution, countries abroad with their liberal ideas, their idea, liberal ideas from France and Germany, England, they wanted to send their professors into these schools over here, these colleges, these seminaries, and they would teach uh, basically uh, idea about ethics, the idea of morality, the idea of right and wrong began to be confused with the age of reason and Thomas Paine. And we saw a great revival or revolution in America toward the basically 
anti-religion. We have freedom of religion now in America in some places, but they run a, but we want freedom from religion. And that was with Thomas Paine, and we studied a little bit about that. And then in the missionary efforts, they wanted to go among the American Indians in America and try to regain their confidence and to establish religion among the Indians. Now, what did America do to the American Indian? What really, what happened there? Well, I'm part of that, so I know that firsthand. They went into the Indian countries. Now, you have to realize, I think, uh, Larry, you're part Cherokee or Choctaw or something, aren't you? That way back when? Way back when. Yeah. But I want you to understand something about the civilized tribes. The civilized tribes were not wild Indians. The reason why they called them civilized tribes is because they had great plantations. They grew corn... All the, the food that was taken in the Columbia change from Columbus over to Europe saved Europe. The potatoes, the corn, the tomatoes, uh, the squash, all of this that Europe didn't have. They were starving to death over there. Starving to death. And they took food here. And where did that food come from? Did it fall out of the sky? Indian. The American Indians developed these this food. I even took tobacco over there. <laughs> tobacco, you know. And uh, that was the Indians kind of smile and say, we cursed the whole human race of Europe over the tobacco. You go over there today and they're smoking cigarettes like a train still. And they know it's not good for them now. They got to know. Yeah. Well, they come and exchange. They sent disease here and we sent food to the world. We fed the world and they killed us. In 1491, there's about 150 million Indians in the United in, in, the, in the, the the American continent, North, Central, and South America. Within 100 years, there was only about 50,000 left. They died. Many of them died. When Lewis and Clark went across the wild America, it had become wild America. It wasn't wild America. America, from coast to coast, basically, the Great Plains were created. The buffalo was driven. I tell you what, the, the, the Indians had a whole lot better idea about, about, about raising cattle. We drove the buffalo. We don't have to feed the buffalo. We don't have to calve, pull calves from buffalo. They get out there and take care of themselves. And they drove, the Indians created the Great Plains. They were great mesquite forests and groves out there. And they burned it off. They burned it off. They burned it off. When the, Amer when the Europeans first came to America, they said every year these Indians are burning the country up. They burned off all the undergrowth. Now they're beginning to do that in the forest. The Indians burned the forest off. They burned all the undergrowth. What kills, what does it, all this burning of undergrowth do? It causes grass. It burn. what? It cleans the earth. The fleas and the ticks and all of that, it kills all of them off. It kills many of the flies and everything. And then when they brought tobacco back to America, guess what they did? They brought earthworms, and that changed the whole ecology of America. Did you know that? We didn't have earthworms. Everything changed. Everything changed. When they came to America, they said on the East Coast, 
You could see cities lit up after nighttime from all from as far as you could travel. You saw cities and towns lit up. They were great towns there. These were the civilized Indians. These were the ones that had orchards. These were the ones that had great plantations. And then you get out into the what we call the Great Plains. You have the Plains Indians. They were more nomadic people. You get out here into California and you get the, uh, the Paiutes and you get the Mission Indians, what they call Mission Indians, because they're not really Indians like they were at all. They lived out in California. It was easy living out in California. There was an abundance of everything. Game and fruits and vegetables, all, all sorts. These were the civilized Indians. Well, they went back and they drove the Indians in they finally, under Andrew Jackson, said that we're going to drive the Indians into an Indian territory and that will never be able to be taken from them. That will be the final treaty of all treaties and it will never be taken from them. Well, there is no Indian territory today. It's gone. And my family were part of all of that. But they wanted to, the Baptists wanted to go among the Indians and try to redeem what we might call religion among them. They put Indians on welfare. Now, they put all these illegal aliens on welfare when they come in today. What does that do to them? It turns them into what? Wards of the state. When they drove the Indians into Indian territory and stuff, they didn't want them to work. They didn't want them to do anything. We're going to give you, we're going to make you a ward of the state. We're going to give you commodities. Welfare was created for Indians. And it destroyed the culture. Marin was talking about, we were going someplace the other day, and she was talking about Indian fry bread, and I said, well, that was a later invention. I said, all this sugar and flour and everything is what killed the Indians, and the Indians' lifetime on some of these reparations is only 30, 35 years. Because they're eating the wrong kind of food. But they wanted them to be wards of the state. They did not want them to make a living. And what does that do to a society? It destroys a society. And the Baptists wanted to go among these people and make something out of their lives, to give them back God. They, they got where they, their religion became superstition. And they wanted to give them a religion back. They wanted to give them God back. There were no atheist Indians when, America, when the Europeans came here. They all believed in God. They all believed. They all, all believed. When they started explaining to them the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they said, wow, this is what we, this is Tonka Sheila. Walking Tonka, Skan Taku, Skan Skan. I'm talking Lakota. They knew who this was in their languages. And they were glad to hear it, but then they saw the messengers were so bad. Now, as Baptists are going from one site at one end of this continent to the other, they're following this devastation. They want to do home missions. They want to go back and try to redeem religion among the American Indians instead of being used by them and abused by them. Something else happens. Like I said, they were driven into Indian territory and then they went into Indian territory and devastated them one more time. 
to the nth degree to where they, my family ran to California to escape persecution, where they could own a piece of land forever. You know, I mean, we could actually own a piece of land, have a deed to it, that it wasn't going to be taken away from us sometime in the future. <clears throat> now, most people today, if you earn a piece of property, but then if you're in California or something like that, California's going to try to figure out how in the world to, to, to grasp that out of your hands in every way they can. Put it back into their funds. Now, as, in the, as these uh, Baptists went into areas, they had a false idea of eschatology. What's eschatology? A study of the end times. Now, the general idea among many of these Baptists at this period of time was that if you converted everybody in the world, the Lord, they were going to bring in the millennium right here. So if you sent enough missionaries out into the world and they got the world converted, then Jesus is going to come back. You're going to bring Jesus back. You're going to, you're going to get the world prepared for Jesus. But that's not what the Bible teaches. But the Southern Baptist Convention says, give us $3 million, give us $5 million or whatever, and we will bring in the millennium. And they got the money. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. We're not living in the millennium. Have we? And how did we get away from that false premise? Preachers began to preach the Word of God and find out that, you know what, things are going to get real bad back here at the end of the church age. If things are not going to get better, we're not going to bring in the millennium. It's going to get so bad that we have a tribulation period. So in this class, in this period of church history in Baptist, we're trying to get some things straightened out, some philosophy straightened out. So you'll know where they're going with this. which at this time prevailing throughout the Protestant world would be one of the most remarkable features in the history of this present age. It has not been sudden and violent like the Crusades. Remember what the Crusades were? You know, you go among the Catholics. You talk to a Catholic, you talk to many Protestants, and the Crusades were a wonderful thing. Do you know that? that they'll say that. The Crusades was a horrible thing. On both sides, the Christian Crusades, so-called, went back into the all the way across the Mediterranean. They fought their way all across, all the way across the Mediterranean, all the way back into Palestine, and killed everybody. And naming everything for Christianity. When when you go and hold a, a, a sword that somebody sold or a gun at their head and say convert or die, some of them will convert. But do they really convert? The idea that God forces you to be saved is not what happens. But they had a religion of church and state, didn't they? That's another problem. Another problem. It took America, it took at least 15, 20 years, 30 years for Baptists to fight for the separation of church and state in America, and now they're falling for it again. Baptists died in England, not all over, because of the King James Bible, and now the Baptists will have nothing but King James only. I mean, boy, but don't they know their history? Don't they know their history? 
Don't you know the history of these things? The history is very important. If you don't study history, you're bound to repeat it, as one person said. It says, little attention was excited by the Danish commissionaries, as scarcely any by the Dutch had affected in the Asiatic possessions, and in the labors of the Moravians would hardly have been known beyond the bounds of their little community. If it had not been for the uh, Krantz account of their extraordinary exertions into Greenland and the entire success of that painful mission, now they're going to go out and they're going to call to go into communities throughout the world. That by the book, this singular labor of love was made known to many general readers and that was then the still smaller number of persons who felt a religious interest in such subjects. But no general feeling was excited. The honor of giving the first impulse to the public feeling belongs to the English Baptist. This impulse was felt by the Baptists of the United States. The Baptists of the United States have always been missionary in their tendencies and practices. We're talking about some of them, not all of them. Some of them wouldn't send a missionary at all. They believed that was anti-God because they believed that if you were what part of the elect, this is what we call the particular and especially the primitive Baptist, that if God had called you and, and written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, there was no way in the world you could keep from being saved. You were going to go to church. You didn't have to go take a church to them. They would come to you. Now see, these are false ideas. It says this, the association or associations in all sections of the country had sent out missionaries. They had sent out missionaries into Kentucky and Ohio and Iowa and Indiana. These were wildernesses in America. And they got, went to these wildernesses so they could worship God because they figured they were so far out under the eyesight of, of the state-organized religions that they could get by with preaching the Bible. The moral purposes of the denomination was uh, behind missionary operations and frequently money had been collected for such purposes. Missionaries duly accredited had traveled hundreds of miles and in their long journeys had remained for months from their homes and their families at many times. Yet all the Baptists of America had not undertaken on their own account any form mission task. The home missions were most important to get out there and, and what did they do? They go out there among these people and they tried to get them to teach the Bible, preach the Bible. Many of these Baptists were standing up expecting God to pour a message in their head instead of preaching the Word of God. They had to get an idea or whatever. They wanted their preachers educated so they could preach what the Bible teaches. Doctrine is a very important thing. Now, if you go out in, in, in churches today, they say, we, we don't preach doctrine. We're non-denominational. We don't preach doctrine. That's a lie. Who's Jesus? That's doctrine, people. Who's God? That's doctrine. Who's the Holy Spirit? What's the church? What's baptism? What's the Lord's Supper? These are all doctrines. What's the Bible? Is the Bible still being written? Is the Bible completed? What is the Bible? That's a doctrine. They had no general organization 
for the district's association was their only unit of procedure. They had been scattered and feeble folk just emerging from dire persecutions hence had not mobilized for foreign service yet. But when William Carey entered India from England as a missionary, there was an intense response from many Baptists in America. Now, going back to William Carey, okay? William Carey was a Congregationalist missionary. God wanted a Baptist in India. And so he converted one on a Congregationalist into a Baptist on the way to India. He got saved became a believer and wanted believer's baptism when he got over there to India and he sought out Baptists to do it. He thought he was going to, even what he did, he, was, he started studying the Bible because the Baptists preached the word of God so I have to be able to defend my beliefs in baby baptism, pedal baptism and all this stuff. And when he started studying the Bible, he kept saying, they're right, they're right, they're right, they're right. Finally, the time he got there, he says, he told his wife, he said, the Baptists are right. He said, well, you can become a Baptist if you want to, but I won't. But then she started studying. And guess what? She became a Baptist. So God sent a missionary <coughs> to India that was a Congregationalist, but by the time they got there, he was a Baptist because God wanted a Baptist in India. And when they got over there, they didn't make a lot of converts either because of the religious idea about God. When you get people so confused about God, and that's the devil's business, when you get so people so confused about God, <coughs> I've been talking to this Mormon for 20 plus years, and I've yet to lead him to the real personal God that created the heaven and the earth because he's got such a screwed up idea about God. From his very youth, he's a very moral a very godly thinking man except that he doesn't know who God is. And spirit migrations. All of this. Some of the associations <clears throat> that were started. It says here the letters and appeals of William uh, of, of Carey and Ward and Marshman were widely circulated and read with deepening interest in all the countries. The Star of the East, it was called, preached and established in England in 1808 by Claudius Buchanan, the Scottish chaplain of the East India Company, who gave to the world in 1804 the first translation of the New Testament into Persian and Hindostanites had also stirred the souls of the lovers of Jesus throughout the land. As early as 1802, the Massachusetts Missionary Society had organized to preach the gospel in new settlements of the United States and to further its circumstances should be render it proper. The Mite Societies for missions were formed in many of the larger churches. The Mite Society, this gives a mite, just the slowest denomination. Everybody just gives a little bit for missions. It was real hard to do that. In November 1811, the Boston, Boston Association of Baptist Ministers recommended a contribution to the Easter translations and offered to transmit funds contributed for the object in 1812 of $4,650. It was given for this purpose in Boston and Salem alone. 
Some of the associations immediately responded to the foreign mission call. The Cayuga Association in New York in 1814 is an example. Now can you imagine when Baptists in America, the most conservative Baptists in America were in the East Coast? What happened? <laughs> now the most liberal, the most liberal ideas, the most left-wing ideas are from the East Coast. But this is where... This is the people that tried to get education originally among the Baptist preachers out there preaching in the wilderness. Some of them couldn't even read and write. They did education, period. My poor grandmother, they were so poor, she was an Indian, in Indian territory, but they were hiding out. They were trying to be mistaken for whites. She went to the third grade only, and I'm not talking about first, second, and third. She went to the third grade only. They taught her how to write cursive, and they taught her whatever they teach you in the third grade, she learned that. She was a natural musician, unbelievable natural musician. She could play anything. Her sister was taking piano lessons. Her sister was really having a hard time with it. And uh, my grandmother asked her mother, can I play the, the, the piano? And she said, you don't know how to play the piano. She said, Mama, can I play the piano? She sat down and rolled it off. Vroom! Playing anything. Just rolling it off. And my grandmother, before I went to school, I knew how to read and write cursive. I could read a book. And when I went to school, I was three years ahead of my class. <laughs> Because I only learned what was in the third grade. I didn't learn what was in first and second. And they didn't have kindergarten. <clears throat> Education. At an early date, a strong and heartfelt sympathy for the perishing heathen had awakened by the news which had been reached this country of the success which had crowned the efforts of the English Baptist Missionary Society in Bengal, in India. In their circular address to the churches in 1813, one year previous to the formation of the American Board of Foreign Missions, they say, a flame of love seems to have been enkindled among our brethren in England for the souls of the poor benighted Hindus. And God in his boundless mercy has crowned their labors with astonishing success and hundreds, yes, thousands of these poor pagans have through their instrumentality become the hopeful heirs of salvation. Even as late as World War II and World War I, you go among these people over there, these Hindus over there, and they're afraid to swat a fly because it might be their ancestor. They're afraid to squish a flea. They won't eat a cow because that is a high god, the Brahma. You see all of this superstition among these people. They won't cut a tree down because it's a living thing and they might be killing somebody. That transgress back into a flea or a worm or a tree. Now if you 
knock a limb off the tree and it dies, they go out there and pick it up because it's dead. See, it's not part of, the, of their, one of their ancestors anymore. It's like when you cut your hair or whatever. Stupidity. Paganism. Living in the darkness of society. They're starving to death over there. You know why they're starving to death? Because they don't have good sense. If they knew right and wrong, really, they'd go out there and eat one of them Brahma cows that they, they think it's a god. They're, they fall around a Brahma cow. When it defecates, they get it and, and rub it all over themselves. When they urinate, they do the same thing. Talk about stupidity. True religion will drag you out of that stuff. <clears throat> These will eternally sing the triumphs of the sovereign grace and adore God in sending the gospel among them. These things animate us. And we wish to inquire what we have done to send the gospel among the destitute brethren. And yet they're that way in this country too. Thus God was preparing the hearts of the people to receive the news of these uh, singular providences which established an American Baptist mission in Burma, furnished the means which have been so effectively employed and so singly blessed in the salvation of heathen souls. And when the news arrived, Cayuga Association was among the first to offer to the board of the General Convention her cooperation in the great glorious work of sending to the heathen to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing, huh? Get it over there. So many missionaries have gone in these foreign fields and because of the hundreds of years, thousands of years of false religion, they can't reach them. Sometimes they're there 20, 30, 40 years before they make one convert. You, you know that Islam went over there and converted all of them by the sword. They laid... They left those Qurans all over the place over there. One woman I remember, this missionary had gone in there. I'm giving you these little illustrations so you can think about something. Think about what they had to deal with. Missionaries over there sometimes didn't make a lot of converts or no convert for 20 years. Finally, the first convert, I think it was in India maybe, this one preacher went over there and he got the Bible in their language to them. Now, our Bibles in English, you start from the left, the front page, and go backwards. But the Quran, you start from the back of the book and go forward. It's like the same thing if you pick up a Hebrew Bible, you start from the back and go forward. You go from right to left instead of left to right. And the woman began reading the Bible from the back to the front. And guess what? What's the last book in the Bible? The book of Revelation. Now the Muslims, to the Muslims, the mark of the beast is something they want to have. Did you know that? The Muslims want the mark of the beast. That's a good thing. In the Bible, it's a bad thing. In the Muslim world, the mark of the beast is a good thing. And so she read these books here, and she was reading this, and she says... She'll talk about the mark of the beast and she talk about the Antichrist. 
They want the Antichrist. The one that stood against Christianity. They want this Antichrist. They're looking for the Mahdi. The Mahdi. The Mahdi is going to put down all religions, you know. Especially Christians and Jews. Going to kill them all. The Mahdi is going to kill all the pigs. Going to go and kill all the pigs. And she's looking at all of this and she said, you know something? I've been in an upside down religion. And she went and, and she asked the Lord to save her soul. And she didn't want the mark of the beast anymore. She didn't want to follow the Antichrist anymore. That was not good. It was bad. Our Father, we send this little message out again this morning for your honor and glory. We pray that as people are studying church history all over the world that they'll see the, the real reason the freedom of speech the separation of church and state and I see what it took for this to ever happen in America alone Father please use your word and as you said in Matthew 16 and 18 that you would be with your church and, and the gates of hell would not wrestle your church down until you come back for us please forgive me where I fail you in Jesus name I pray Amen. Amen.